name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Hey, could you do me a quick favor? Take a screenshot of this podcast episode right now and post it on your Instagram and tag me and anybody else who you think could benefit from it, especially if you've been finding value. I'm so grateful for you listening. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner. And on today's show, I have Jessica Procini as my guest, and she is on a mission to help others use food as fuel rather than a way to cope, soothe, or escape their busy, stressful lives. So if you've ever overeaten and felt lousy either a couple of hours later or the next day, or found that you've devoured the entire bag of chips, crackers, cookies, the quart of ice cream, then you are definitely going to want to listen to this because Jessica shares how healing your emotional eating will help your performance levels, not only in your business, but also in every aspect of your life. Let me just tell you some of what she said, all of what she said, but there were a few key moments right here that were very powerful. Hey, Jessica, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am just, I can hardly wait to talk to you because what you do and how you help people is so near and dear to my heart. So with that being said, share what you do, who you are, and how you're helping people. Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm so excited to share in any way to help the people who are listening. But I mm-hmm. am Jessica Persini, the founder and creator of Escape from Emotional Eating. And I am really on a mission to help people use food as fuel instead of a way to cope, soothe, or escape their busy, stressful life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, so important. And if um, you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that my background uh, is as a former health coach. And Jessica, essentially, like if we were to bucketize you, um, you know, your specialty is obviously the emotional eating, but you're operating as a, as a health coach, health person. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just be bold and say, everybody eats emotionally at some point. Mm -hmm. So would you agree with that? Yes and no. So when it comes to emotional eating, there are varying shades of emotional eating. And I think what's really important is we just really need to define emotional eating. So mm-hmm. emotional eating is using food for a purpose other than fuel. So meaning that you eat when you're stressed, bored, anxious, overwhelmed, to distract, procrastinate, numb out, reward, the list goes on and on and on. Right. And when it comes to what really is emotional eating is whenever we're putting 
emotional fulfillment as the primary intention behind why we're eating. Mm -hmm. So for example, whenever I tell people like in the workshops that I do or podcast interviews like this one, I say emotional eating is using food for a purpose other than fuel. They'll usually respond with something like you said, well, doesn't everyone do that? And, um, you know, does that mean that like we can't eat for pleasure? And that's not, you know, like healing emotional eating is not about what you eat. It's really about why you are eating. Right. right. And when we have a healthy relationship with food, the primary intention of why we should make any movement towards eating anything Mm -hmm. is that we are physically hungry. Where emotional eating comes into place is when that is not the case and the primary intention of eating is for an emotional need of any kind. And in a healthy relationship with food, it should be physical hunger and physical satiation comes first, pleasure comes second. So some people think that like, oh, well, we're all emotional eaters because we all you know, deserve and need and do get pleasure from food. And yes, that part is true, but it must be a secondary intention. We must first fulfill our needs for physical nourishment before we look to food to be fun or pleasurable or anything like that. So so that's where like the line gets drawn in, you know, what is emotional eating and who is an emotional eater is really looking at why are you eating? Mm-hmm. Which I think is really cool. So tell me, um, because I've always thought about food as being fun and I think fun because I want it to be, I want to be entertained and amuse and, and have all of my taste buds satisfied. Um, at the same point, while I have definitely eaten emotionally, you know, at, at times, that's not my focus, right? Mm-hmm. So why is it, I'm, I'm curious, I really want to get uh, delve into this too, so people can see where their patterns may be. Why is it important to really focus on the physical part before you add the fun in? Because if we are eating for emotional fulfillment, we mm-hmm. are misplacing our energy. It would be sort of like trying to fuel your car with orange juice. It's not <laughs> going to That's go. Great. Right? Like your orange juice is meant for your body, not for your car. And that's like basically like your emotional needs are meant to be met not by food. Your emotional needs are meant to be met by taking care of yourself. Absolutely. And and taking action and and the thoughts that you think about yourself, the stories that you tell yourself. When we are emotionally eating, we are using food not as medicine, but literally as poison. In the same way that if you put orange juice in your car, you're going to have to take your car into the shop because your engine's not going to work. There comes a point with emotional eating that 
if you use food in a way that it's not its true intention, which is for physical nourishment, you're going to take your body into the shop. And that could be an extreme example of like you're, you've gained a lot of weight and, um, you know, like you literally cannot walk up and down the stairs without heavy breathing, mm-hmm. or it could mm-hmm. literally look uh, look like waking up in the morning and feeling really lethargic and because you overate the night before and right. maybe you have like a podcast interview or a speaking engagement and you can't really focus on your work because you're cycling through shame and guilt because of what you ate the night before doesn't matter what extreme of the spectrum mm-hmm. you're on. Both of them are physically, mentally, emotionally debilitating. Any mm-hmm. form of emotional eating will hold you back in your life. It'll hold you back from your true purpose and your true fulfillment. And I completely speak from my own experience because I spent over 25 years being an emotional eater. And for oh, wow. a large majority, I would say for two decades, I was an emotional eater and didn't know it because I didn't fit into like the my 600-pound life stereotype. Mm-hmm. So when I was experiencing all of these like frustrations in my relationship with food, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why aren't these diets working? Why can't I stick with anything? Like, why am I always thinking about food? Is because I never knew that I was emotional eating because I thought emotional eating meant you had to qualify in some category by eating 10 bags of potato chips. Right. And that's not how it was showing up for me. For me, emotional eating was coming home from a long day of work and going to the pantry and getting my hands in some dark chocolate to numb my stress. It mm-hmm. after, like giving a really big speaking engagement, immediately going out to eat and having a big glass of wine, multiple glasses of wine, and a really, really heavy dinner to try to ground myself. It meant getting on a sales call and beforehand being so anxious and overwhelmed that I would eat a whole chocolate bar before every single call. And like it would, that's how it would show up for me. But now that I know and also communicate that using food for a purpose other than fuel is emotional eating, then we can really look at all the ways that it shows up because it can be super sneaky in some ways. But when we're clear on that intention that food is fuel first, then comes pleasure then we are actually eating from a place of integrity. That's incredible. Um, what are some of the other ways that it can show up? Well, and actually, before we get to that, how I'd like to learn more about your experience and how you started to heal yourself from um, how you were using food to deal with stress and anxiety. Sure. So my first memory of emotional eating was actually from when I was six years old. Um, but I didn't realize it at the time because, again, I, wa- I didn't have hundreds of pounds to lose. And all throughout my life, I can kind of peg certain points where when I would experience life difficulty, my relationship with food would really get out of control. Those would be mm-hmm. the moments where I would gain the most weight or I would even lose the most weight in a really unhealthy way. 
Um, and it wasn't until I was in about my mid twenties when, you know, I was just trying to like figure out life as an adult. And I also started to be really health conscious. I started working out every day and wanting to know how to eat healthy. But no matter what I did, whether I like ate really healthy and was working out every day, like my body wasn't responding to what I was doing. And I always felt out of control with food. Like I could be good all day. And then as soon as nighttime hit, like as soon as the sun went down, I, it was like my food demons came out. And I mm-hmm. could literally like just get my hands on anything. And I would overeat unhealthy food, but I would also overeat healthy food too. And I didn't think there was that big of a deal because it's healthy. But no, there is a big deal because you are overriding your physical body. So okay. my health journey um, incorporated a lot of zigs and zags of like trials and errors and things like that. But what kept being constant through all of you know my health journey was how crazy I felt around food. It was always on my mind. And I tried to talk to my friends about it and they were like, oh, Jessica, you know, everyone overeats. Come on, let's go work out. And we would sign up for a workout class and try and work it off. I would try to talk to my partner about it and and he just would cock his head and be like, oh, Jessica, you know, I'll love you no matter what size you are which is amazing and awesome and everything we want our partners to say. But for me, what was really crazy was how could he love me when all I wanted to do was crawl out of my own skin? Mm-hmm. And then I tried to seek help and experts and therapy and professionals. And everyone was just telling me, oh, you're depressed. You know, you need to go on an antidepressant without even really listening to what was going on for me. And I was starting to get really clear that I don't want to be numb anymore. I don't want to be numb in the way that I was using food. And I don't want to be numb with medication. I don't want to live this life anymore. I want things to change. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point where I felt like my last resort was going to Overeaters Anonymous. And I come from many, many generations of alcoholism and addiction And trying to get myself to go to a 12-step program or meeting was completely overwhelming. I just really didn't feel like I belonged there. I felt different than a lot of the other people. And that was when I really started to feel like, oh, my God, like I may have to live with this chaos with food for the rest of my life. And that was a really, really difficult and dark time because I was beginning to feel like a real shell of a human being that Mm -hmm. like my, my life really revolved around all of these thoughts around food. But it was in that moment that I made a decision that I don't want to live with this for the rest of my life. This can't be why I'm here on this planet. I know there's more I am meant to do. I know I wasn't put here to fight food. Right. And that's when I discovered three things. The first thing that I discovered that changed everything was that I was an emotional eater. 
And as I talked about, like that was a huge shock because I didn't have hundreds of pounds to lose, but I definitely was using food for a purpose other than fuel. And most of all, it was really holding me back in my life. The second thing that I learned was that everything that I had tried before, the diets, meal plans, portion control, juice cleanses, eating healthier, working out more, everything was a mismatch because it wasn't touching the root of my emotional eating. And then the third thing that I discovered was that actually to really be at peace with food, to really heal my relationship with it, I needed to get to the root. And I needed to pull it out in the same way that I would pull out a weed from my garden because I wanted to be free more than anything. Mm -hmm. And when I started to heal the roots, that's when things really started to open up. And when I say heal the roots, that came from over 10 years of research, of, of looking at myself again and again and again in the habits and patterns and then working with my clients and things like that to really understand what are the four roots of emotional eating, which is everything that I now teach. And now I, it's been over four years since I have emotionally eaten or overeaten in any capacity. I have a clear, peaceful, trusting relationship with food. Food is fuel. It is a nourishing asset to my body to my life and to my mission. Mm -hmm. I love food. I am Italian, but the way that I love it is very different. I don't need it like a safety blanket or a seatbelt. I can step away from it and I can go back to it. I can keep food in my house without overdoing it. I can watch other people eat whatever the heck they want. It has no effect on me whatsoever. There's such freedom now that I have And that all feels like such a bold claim compared to like the chaos and the torture that I had before. But it truly is my life experience and and why I'm so passionate about my mission is because I've been there and it's possible to change. And let me ask you this too. I presume this doesn't mean that you've like completely cut out chocolate or wine or things that you used to overeat or eat emotionally with. You just eat them differently now. Is that right? Right. So in the past, like chocolate and wine was something that I always had on hand, sometimes in my purse at all times. Um, (laughs) And now it's such a flexible, fluid relationship. So right. Like I always say that healing your emotional eating doesn't mean that you can't have the foods that you love anymore. It doesn't mean that you can't eat chocolate, have pizza, have birthday cake or whatever you want, but it's about the way that you're eating it. In the past, Mm -hmm. I would, oh my gosh, here's a story for you. So I was traveling to LA for work. I was going out there to to do some work with a mentor and then um, do some events. And I remember landing in LA and before I went to my Airbnb, I stopped at Whole Foods. Mm -hmm. And at Whole Foods, I got myself a bottle of wine and three dark chocolate bars all made with like coconut oil and like healthy sugar and all that stuff. Right. And I remember going right to my Airbnb, 
drinking the whole bottle of wine by myself and eating all the chocolate bars. And that was my dinner. Wow. To now where I rarely drink, if at all. I've, I've gone through many, many different levels and layers of my relationship with alcohol because that was another way that I would numb. Um, right. But now I can stop at a glass. I can say no, even when other people are drinking around me. I can go out Mm -hmm. socially and have no fear around that. And chocolate, I mean, I love chocolate. Chocolate's good, right? Like, but oh my God, (laughs) I can have a truffle, right? Like, we can have cookies in our house and, uh, and they can grow mold because I don't eat them so quickly anymore. Like that's the difference in my relationship with it. Right. So what does an average day of eating look like for you? You know, it it really depends um, Mm -hmm. on, you know, what I need. So most days I'll wake up and I'll be hungry. So I'll eat breakfast within like an hour of eating. And then I always have in my schedule um, time blocked for lunch. That is a non-negotiable for me. I always take lunch where I am sitting at my dining room table because I work from home, um, fully present with my food. And then, you know, sometimes I get hungry in the afternoon and have a snack. Sometimes I don't. Um, My My husband and I, we always have dinner together. But I think the thing that's really constant through all of those eating experiences is that I'm really listening to my body's communication. Mm -hmm. So if I wake up in the morning and I'm not hungry, then I wait to get hungry to eat. Right. I I don't run it based on the clock. Um, the only thing that I do run it, you know, based on the clock is when I take lunch, but that when I take lunch has been based on like many years of knowing my body. And, you know, if I eat breakfast around this time, okay, I'm going to probably get hungry around this time. So this is a good time to take lunch. Um, but it's simple. Like I don't carry it with me into my day. It's, it's not something I spend a lot of energy on anymore. And when I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm satiated, I stop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, and, <laughs> and like I know that food is really blessing my body. Like when I eat a meal, it's like this is such a blessing. You know, this food blesses my body. This food nourishes my body. And like – in the past, there would be so many voices I would hear in my head when I would sit down to have a meal, and now they're they're not there anymore. Um, so it sounds like really boring when I talk about like what a day with food looks like, but you know, as it should be, right? Like it shouldn't be the things on your mind all the time. Yeah. Oh, like um, one of the things that I often hear people do or say is like, oh, I have dinner plans in the evening. So Mm -hmm. if I have dinner plans in the evening, that means pretty much nothing, right? Like 
in the past, I would skip breakfast, have a really small lunch because right. I had dinner plans in the evening. Save that, those calories so you can binge at dinner. Yeah, but that affects my energy so much. Right? Oh, like yeah. I, I'm not as productive during the day. I'm very short with people. Um, like I'm not on my A game if I am not physically nourished um, mm-hmm. in in a really integral way. So if I have dinner plans in the evening, great. I'm still going to eat my breakfast, still going to eat my normal lunch, still going to probably have a snack before I go. And and I'm going to eat dinner and I'm going to honor my satiation. And, and the thing I'm looking forward to the most about eating out now is really being fully present with the people that I'm with because I'm not so consumed about food and what am I going to do and how am I going to work this off and what kind of punishment am I in for if I right. indulge, right? Like we live in such a society where food is abundant. We don't live in a place where we are starving. Are there places that exist like that on the planet? Absolutely. But let's talk about here and now. Let's talk about what is right in front of you. And if any of us were hungry, we can make our way towards food. We all have that ultimate power. The problem is, is that a lot of people don't exercise that power or even feel guilty feeling even hungry, which is like so messed up in so many ways. So yeah, that's kind of what it looks like on the inside. (laughs) Which I love because it's like, it's part of your day, but it's not the focus. And it's, you're really looking at it from, this is fueling my body so that I can have energy and perform at my best, almost like an athlete. Right. Exactly. I mean, especially as entrepreneurs, I mean, we are like athletes of our business and I got, I like, I gotta be on my A game if I Mm -hmm. want to move this mission forward. I am not of service number one to myself if I'm emotionally eating. And most of all, I am not of service to others in any capacity if I am emotionally eating because it's, it's a hiding mechanism. Mm-hmm. Eating, what are you hiding from? Because you're not living your truth. You're not honest with yourself, especially about your hunger and fullness and satiation. And how we do food is how we do everything. So if we're not honest with ourselves and what's going on with food and really honoring our bodies, then what else are you not honoring? Do you have money issues? You know, are, are you not speaking up when it comes to certain things with clients? You know, like where else are you not showing up if you're not showing up for yourself? Right, right. So how can somebody take all of this and really um, help them impact their leadership? Is it, the, is it really just honoring their body or is there, do you think there's another layer to it? So there's definitely multiple layers, but I think the first duty that we have as human beings, especially conscious human beings, is that we first have to be the leader of our own lives before we can be a leader in our business, be a leader in our relationships. Like our duty is first to recognize 
that we are the one who is ultimately in charge of our own life. Mm-hmm. And that first and foremost, the thing that we do the most out of anything in our entire lifetime is eat. We eat more than anything that we do. The frequency, you know, that we do it at is we just do it thousands of times a year. Mm-hmm. More than anything else that we do. So when it comes to leadership, you know, really being the person who takes care of yourself is the ultimate leader that you can be. And then when you recognize, when you've built a level of self-trust and, Mm -hmm. you know, really knowing your inner self, then when you show up in difficult circumstances or challenges that require you to speak up, that require you to be different. Mm-hmm. If you can't speak up when you're out to eat and ask a waiter, you know, does this have gluten in it? Or can you tell me how this is cooked? Or can you wrap this up? How can we be in a sales call or uh, an interview or anything and speak up for what we really believe in? It'll be half-assed. You know, if we're not really doing it in these other areas like food, then Mm -hmm. we're not really doing it in our business or our relationships either. So how we do one thing is how we do everything. And when it comes to food, you know, food is such a teacher and it continues to be for me. Like even though I'm not emotionally eating anymore, like how I show up in my relationship with food and giving myself what I need is how I'm showing up in all aspects of my life. So I think it's first recognizing like each one of us is in a position of leadership when it comes to taking care of ourselves, when it comes to our health, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, et cetera, et cetera. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I, I mean, I think what you said about, like, if you can't speak up to say, you know, ask if something's gluten-free or wrap it up or or even if you're out and, like, it's not cooked the right way and send it back. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that with a lot of women where it's like, no, no, I don't want to cause a problem. Right. Right. And then, like, how are you showing up for yourself? Like, if you can't stand your ground when it's coming to your own body, then where are you going to stand your ground when it comes to everything else? And, and I, I mean, one of my mantras as well is how you do one thing is how you do everything because mm-hmm. it shows up everywhere. So I, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Like if you can't um, make time in your calendar to eat lunch, then how are you going to make time in your calendar to have a really important meeting? Mm-hmm. You know, that is, that is going to move your business forward. You know, yeah. like it's it's all connected. It's all connected. Well, and I would challenge everybody out there, if you are a lunch skipper, be aware of like the days that you do have lunch and when you don't, how your energy feels at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're putting in your mouth like at that point too, because my experience has been that people, even if they're not feeling hungry, then go and eat 
you know, the entire box of crackers or the dish of candy on somebody else's desk or, you know, whatever it is. And they don't even know that they're consuming that much. Right. Because they're an autopilot. Yeah. 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 So when we push our hunger off, right, when we ignore our hunger, which is a form of self-denial, and we wait to get like hangry where I could like eat your arm. I'm so hungry. <laughs> right. That actually puts the body into a stress response. You're you're putting your body into a fight or flight experience when it comes to food because you've entered into starvation. And then your choices are not coming from a rational place because your body is in a state of survival. And that's why we'll eat high sugar, high fat foods mm-hmm. when when we are so hungry because the body is like, uh-oh, you know, we may not get food again. We got to store up. We got to stock up. So like the best thing that we can do is literally get to know our body's clock and to support ourselves in, in holding sacred space for you to nourish yourself. And believe it or not, it takes 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes to eat, no matter what you eat. And I know this from um, leading my retreats and having these like really silent, mindful meals is that even though it's a really silent, mindful meal, we're all done in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can really drag it out, but it takes 15 minutes to eat, whether you're stressed, multitasking and running around like a chicken with your head cut off, or whether you're fully present fully conscious and honoring your body. I've run yeah. so many experiments with that. So if you've got 15 minutes, you can eat. And it's about creating that for yourself. I was just saying everybody has 15 minutes. Totally. Uh, if somebody wanted to kind of get started with, are they emotionally eating and um, you know how they can start to handle it? Do you have a resource that, that they could access? Yes. So over on my website, escapefromemotionaleating.com, there is a free quiz. So mm-hmm. if you feel like using food to cope, soothe, or escape is really holding you back in your life, go to escapefromemotionaleating.com right now. Take the quiz. It is very eye-opening. Um, you'll get your results. Is emotional eating going on for you? And then I give um, next steps on what to do from there based on your quiz results. So that's escapefromemotionaleating.com. Sign up. Take the quiz. It's always eye-opening. Even if you already know you're an emotional eater, take it anyway because you'll learn something new about yourself. And then, And then I always give next steps from there. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. So everybody go take the quiz and find out where you're eating emotionally and start taking the steps to stop because it is really powerful. And I just know from my own experience and then watching all my former clients too, like it's, it's life changing. Like they have felt so much better. So I love that. Thank you so much. Where can everybody connect with you too? I'm on Instagram and Facebook, but sometimes my last name can be tricky to spell. So if you go to my website, Mm -hmm. escapefromemotionaleating.com, you can find all my social handles on there as well. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for being here. I love what you've shared with everybody. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Awesome.
Awesome. And until next time, everybody, we will see you next week. As an entrepreneur, do you ever feel isolated, like you're just grinding away and not getting to the place or reaching the goals that you want? Maybe you've realized that you just spent days, weeks, or even months trying to accomplish something only to figure out that the answer that you have would have saved you all of that time. I know I've had that experience and my clients have as well. And that's why I created the Tribe of Leaders Biz School. Get the accountability, the training, and the knowledge base in a community of like-minded people who are there to support you. Go ahead and check it out. It's thetribeofleaders.com.